Good morning, everyone. I greet you in Jesus' name. And invite you to open your Bibles to Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew, and chapter 4. And we'll begin reading at the at verse one. This is after Jesus baptism. Then was Jesus led up of the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was afterward and hunger. And when the tempter came to him, he said, if thou be the son of God, command that these stones be made bread. But he answered and said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Now this says that Jesus was led. Luke says he was driven. So it was a strong leading by the spirit into the wilderness. And he was alone there. Jesus was alone there except for God the Father and the devil was there. And for 40 days, Jesus had no food. And this was no ceremonial fast, not skipping a meal, but a time of deep communion and fellowship with God. Maybe similar to what Moses did in the wilderness. In Exodus 34, he was with the Lord 40 days and 40 nights, and he did neither eat bread nor drink water. And he wrote upon the tables the word of the covenant, the Ten Commandments. And it says when he came down from the mountain that Moses wist not that the skin of his face shone and people were afraid to come near him. He had been with God. Besides fasting and communion in the wilderness, Jesus was also tempted those 40 days. In Luke, it says, being 40 days tempted in the wilderness. But after 40 days, he was hungry. He was famished. And the devil comes for another try, maybe the most severe of his temptations. Uh, there were three that he offered here in uh, Matthew 4. And we're only uh, focusing on the one here. The tempter came to him and said, If thou be the Son of God, command that these stones be made bread. Since you are the Son of God, The devil's temptation was not a test for proof that Jesus was the Son of God, but it was an appeal to Jesus' gnawing hunger. You are hungry. You have the power to change these smooth round stones into loaves of bread. And you can imagine, we can imagine 
after many days with nothing, beautiful golden rolls. And Jesus could have thought, yes, I am hungry and I do have the power and I could change these stones to delicious bread. But he didn't. He refused to work a miracle. He answered the devil and said this, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. That's quoted from Deuteronomy, the Old Testament, Deuteronomy 8 and verse 3. Now, what would have been wrong with Jesus turning these stones to bread? <clears throat> being hungry, being very hungry, isn't sin. Bread is not sinful. So what was the problem? I'm not sure if I can explain all of the problem. But I think one thing was that Jesus came to do the will of the Father. That was his mission, to follow the Father's will, to do the will of the Father. And we see him refusing to work a miracle to relieve personal discomfort, even suffering, even to supply bread for his own physical needs. His power was given him on earth to, to uh, declare with authority the gospel for the salvation of man. He came to serve man and not himself. There was another time where if thou be the son of God was heard. And that was when Jesus was on the cross The Jews were scornfully mocking him and they said, if thou be the son of God, come down from the cross. Well, he could have come down. He told Peter that I could call 12 legions of angels, more than 12 legions of angels, but the scriptures must be fulfilled. And Jesus had wrestled with this issue in the garden and he said, not my will, but thine be done. He did not come down. He accomplished his mission. At the, um, at the well in Samaria, when uh, the Samaritan woman came and he was visiting with her and the disciples returned and to the well from the town and the lady went back to the town and they had gotten some groceries and they said to him, eat. And he said, I have meat to eat that ye know not of. And they were wondering, what did he eat? Did somebody else bring him something? And then Jesus said this, my meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. That is my food. A second part of uh, this temptation, uh, being sinful to, to uh, surrender to, 
was that by following Satan's direction, it would be dishonoring to God and rather giving honor to Satan. Jesus was living by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. That's how Jesus met these temptations. In every one, he quoted a scripture and he was submitted to the scripture, following the scripture. He knew the scriptures. Now, man is tempted similarly. Jesus quoted from uh, Deuteronomy. And just, um, I'll just read that whole verse. He was, this was Moses speaking to the people. And he humbled thee and suffered thee to hunger and fed thee with manna which thou knewest not, neither did thy fathers know, that he might make thee know that man doth not live by bread only, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of the Lord doth man live. Now man is tempted to live for bread alone and to forget the words from God. Or he stumbles at the words of God or even rejects the words of God and just lives for bread and the things of this life. And we remember how the uh, Israelites, after the careful instructions that God had given, so much each day, double on the day before the Sabbath, so that you'll have food for the Sabbath, And then on the Sabbath, there'll be none. And you remember how they didn't obey, many of them. And it didn't work out well. When Jesus fed the 5,000, a great crowd was following Jesus because they were fascinated by the miracles that Jesus did. Healing the sick. It was amazing to watch. It was wonderful to be healed if you were one of those. And remember at the uh, feeding of the 5,000, he had gone across the lake with the disciples and then these thousands followed him and ended up there with him again. And uh, Jesus said to Philip, Where, how could we feed these people? Is there some way that we could, uh, where could we buy bread for this crowd? And Philip said, well, it'll take a lot of money for one. About eight months of wages to, uh, to feed this crowd. And all they had were those five small barley loaves and those two small fish. And we know the miracle. And how he fed the multitude, 5,000 men plus women and children. And then the people wanted to make Jesus king. Why? Well, this man could provide bread. Oh, for a king that would provide our needs. What a blessing that would be. (coughs) 
And then Jesus um, crossed the lake. The crowd uh, followed him. And he said, you are looking for me because I fed you. You ate of the loaves and you were filled. They were more concerned about the food that Jesus provided than the words that Jesus said, than the truth that he taught. And we see that it's a common problem. Earthly bread, things of earth, more important and of greater concern than hearing and learning and trusting and obeying the words of God. So that's what man is tempted with. How about us? Man was created with a body. We all have bodies. Bodies have needs. They need food and clothing and shelter. They need care when they're sick. The body likes being comfortable. It enjoys sensual pleasures. But eventually the body dies. Man was also created with a soul. And the soul will never die. It lives on after the body dies. And the soul also has needs. Our souls need salvation to have sins forgiven, to have peace with God. Man was created to have fellowship with God, to worship and to serve him. But man forgets and man neglects the needs of the soul. And he so easily forgets the words of God and pursues the things of the earth. And he spends his life meeting the needs of the body, pursuing comfort and pleasure for the body. And his mind is preoccupied with the earth and his life here. Man's soul may cry for help. The man may be miserable with the guilt of sin. He may try to distract himself with more amusements and pleasures or drown it with substances that alter his moods. But they, they leave, all those things leave the deepest needs of a man's soul unsatisfied. There is more to man than a stomach. 1 Corinthians 6.13 says, meats for the belly and the belly for meats. God shall destroy both it and them. In Romans 14.17, for the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. Now, lost people need to learn this truth. They need to hear this truth and accept this truth. And Christians, I often need to be reminded of this truth. God said, 
Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. And that is not just surviving, that is living. Real life. Spiritual life. By every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Let's think about this word a little bit. Just reviewing some points. One, it comes from God. It's God's word. It's God's message. It is certain. It is sure. It is written. It is settled. It is established. And I mentioned how with the uh, with all those with those three temptations, Jesus referred to Scripture in in each case. Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. It is written, thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. For it is written, thou shalt not worship the Lord. Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. The psalmist said, thy testimonies are very sure. Jesus said, heaven and earth shall pass away, just like he said, our bodies will pass away, but my words shall not pass away. We must acknowledge God's word and accept it and follow it. The message is of a savior, of salvation. It points to Jesus the fullest and final expression of God. God, in Hebrews 1, verse 1, God who at sundry times and in divers manners, various ways, spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things. John, in John's gospel, says in the first chapter, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made In him was life, and the life was the light of men. He is called the bread of life. He is called the light of life. He is called the prince of life. And here in uh, in 1 John 1.1, he is called the word of life. So no... No surprise that God calls us to feed on the bread of life, to read the Bible, study the Bible, pray asking God to show us what the Bible says and how it applies to us and to our needs and to help us to follow and obey what the Bible teaches 
In John 6, after the feeding of the 5,000, uh, Jesus said to the crowds in verse 27, turn, turn there with me to John 6, <clears throat> Gospel of John, chapter 6 and verse 27. Labor not for the meat which perisheth, but for that meat which endureth unto everlasting life, which the Son of Man shall give unto you, for him hath God the Father sealed. Now the Bible also instructs us that we are to earn our bread by the sweat of our brow and we're to you know, work for our living and so we're able to help others and so forth. But he's saying that our focus here, the emphasis here is labor, the, the greater focus should be on the, um, on the meat which endureth unto everlasting life, that spiritual food, the word of God. Then jump down to 32. Then Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Moses gave you not that bread from heaven, but my Father giveth you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he which cometh down from heaven and giveth life unto the world. Then said they unto him, Lord, evermore give us this bread. And Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. But I said unto you that ye also have seen me and believe not. All that the Father giveth me shall come to me, and him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. For I came down from heaven not to do mine own will, but the will of him that sent me, and this is the Father's will which hath sent me, that of all which he hath given me, I should lose nothing, but should raise it up again in the last day. And this is the will of him that sent me, that everyone that seeth the Son and believeth on him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up at the last day. Slip on down a few more verses to verse 47. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me, hath everlasting life. I am that bread of life. Your fathers did eat manna in the wilderness and are dead. This is the bread which cometh down from heaven, that a man may eat thereof and not die. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If any man eat of this bread, he shall live forever. And the bread that I will give is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. The Jews therefore strove among themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? And then Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Except ye eat the flesh of the Son of Man, and drink his blood, ye have no life in you. Whoso eateth my flesh, and drinketh my blood, hath eternal life. And I will raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is meat indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. 
He that eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood dwelleth in me and I in him. And the living Father hath sent me, and I live by the Father. So he that eateth me, even he shall live by me. This is that bread which came down from heaven. Not as your fathers did eat manna and are dead. He that eateth of this bread shall live forever. The, uh, the bread of life. You know, we can read the Bible as a textbook. It is often studied as a textbook, as a book of information. And it is even studied by Christians sometimes in a uh, textbook way to try to figure out uh, the truth of this and the truth of that. And we do, we do want to do that by the help of the Spirit. But what, what he is describing here in John is an identification with Jesus Christ in his death and his life, a connection with God, a relationship with God, a communion with God, and in that way that we read the Bible as part of our communion with God as worship, as, as um, listening and learning in order to follow. And it is then when, when the Word of God can feed us and bless us and nurture us spiritually I want to notice, uh, in, I've, I've been impressed with this often in uh, the letter to the Thessalonians. Now it says that, um, that they received the word of God, which ye heard of us. Ye received it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God, which effectually worketh also in you that believe. They accepted this as the word of God. And in 1 Thessalonians, uh, the first chapter, it talks about how they received the word in much joy and how they were examples to all that believe in Macedonia and Achaia. And from you sounded out the word of the Lord, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place your faith to God word is spread abroad so that we need not to speak anything. For they themselves show of us what manner of entering in we had unto you and how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God. So they read the message, they heard the message, they accepted it and they became a message. And that's what happens when we feed on the word of God the bread of life. Just a few uh, comments further about, about reading the Bible. 
in our Bible, our devotional time. Um, you know, in the past uh, several years, there has there have been emphasis by different people uh, on reading the Bible through in a year, and and or reading the Bible through in uh, several months, in three months, and just to spend time and and reading lots of scripture. And I got acquainted with a man who uh, was having, um, who, who had a sad life. He, when he was seven years old, I, I don't, never met him, but just uh, phone conversations. He's somewhere halfway across the country. But um, when he was seven years old, his mother committed suicide. And that was an awful shock to him and his family. And he ended up, it wasn't a great family to start with. And then uh, he ended up living with somebody else growing up uh, in a home without parents and um, without his parents and without the parenting that he needed. He was, he had a, a bad life and then he married and his wife had developed terrible mental problems so he suffered a lot and wasn't responding well. And um, he did accept Christ and someone told him, encouraged him to read the New Testament through in a month. Each month to read the whole New Testament through and to do that for a whole year. And he did. And it was he said it was life-changing for him. Now he read pretty desperately and but it did something for him. So that's, that's one approach to read lots of scripture. And there's another approach. Uh, some of you may know who Peter Hoover is. And he's uh, was a voracious reader and scholar and writer and Bible student. And he's he's uh, lives in a communal Hutterite style of living with a community in Tasmania, off the coast of uh, Australia, an island off the coast of Australia. But he used to read the Bible a lot. Read the Bible in English, in German, Spanish, and I think Dutch also. But here a few years ago, about four or five years ago, he had a brain tumor and they did surgery on his brain. And uh, in fact, there was a second surgery and his sight was affected and his memory was affected. He could hardly read anymore. And uh, he forgot much, much scripture that he had memorized. Someone gave him an MP3 player with the Bible on it. And he could listen to that in these several languages. And he appreciated it, but he said he couldn't stop when he wanted to. And it just felt like he was whizzing through and so on. Um, but then he listened to a message by a preacher from Switzerland about reading the Bible slowly. 
and he encouraged reading the Bible slowly and letting the truth soak in. He said you should read it aloud, at least whisper, at least, you know, mentally read it. Um, and to read slowly and to reread portions. You know, read a scripture portion, then read it again and read it again. And then Peter said in this uh, email newsletter that he puts out periodically, his wife helps him write it now, but he said that in the Middle Ages that young people, serious Christians, were taught to read a portion at normal speed and then to reread it slowly and so that and and reread it again so that in the course of the day i think there were different periods of the day where they read that they would read the portion through seven times and let it soak in and maybe uh i'm just mentioning these things uh so if you've read a lot of scripture well if you've read no scripture i hope you go home and start reading if you haven't been, get in gear. But if you have read, if you're one who has chosen to read the Bible through in a year, um, maybe you want to just change gears or for a change of pace for a month somewhere or a week or try a, another way to read shorter passages and read them slower. I've done both. I find myself more often reading, not reading the Bible through in a year, reading slower. Then sometimes I'll just stop and reread a, a book, you know, read a book through and then go back and read it again in another version and then go back and read it in a third time in another version. And sometimes, like recently, I was just reading um, Romans 6, 7, 8 in different translations and reading it slowly and thoughtfully. But what, however we read, um, we start with a clean heart. Mark down these thoughts or remember them. Start with a clean heart. Read in the spirit of Christ in, with a prayerful devotion to Christ. Read prayerfully, thoughtfully, what does this mean? How does it apply to me? How do I follow this? And when we read the Bible that way, um, that is in a devotional way. That is a worship and a, a, a communion with God. And if you find reading the Bible is dry and every morning is not the same or every Bible reading time is not the same, but I can assure you that if you keep plodding on, pressing on with a ready, a prepared heart, a clean heart, a devotional heart, prayerfully, thoughtfully, that times of joy will come.
times of joy will come. <clears throat> Maybe uh, a time is, is a factor and getting time, finding time uh, is, can be a problem. It has to be a priority. And maybe we should do a little inventory of our reading uh, outside of work, but you know, just other things we read, news, stories, books, fiction, and, and compare, sort of categorize these things and compare how much time we're spending with what. And maybe we'll notice if we actually get the numbers down there, the minutes, that uh, we're spending a good bit of time on stuff that is not bread from heaven. <clears throat> I would also mention quickly... Um, Plan your, plan your Bible reading. I think it's good to have a, a method, a plan, whether it's a through the Bible, Bible or reading plan that's laid out, or maybe you want to try reading the Bible chronologically some t sometime, uh, or maybe you want to design your own plan. That's, that's what I do. And, uh, but I would encourage that the New Testament be a priority you read it more often than you read through the Old Testament, uh, Psalms and wisdom books from the Old Testament and many other passages are great blessings, but be sure that you don't neglect the New Testament. Uh, I put back there on the shelf or under the, uh, the uh, mailboxes a small stack. I didn't have many Bible reading records. There, you can just pick one up if you would find it useful. It's not a plan. It's just a record. It has little squares for every chapter of the Bible and you can mark them off as you read. So you, uh, you can see where you're you leave tracks and you can kind of see where you've been. And if you're creative, you can, it can work for a couple of years or you, know, you can do a half of a a block or something to show you've read it if you find it useful. And um, yeah, there's different versions and people have different opinions about these things. But uh, if you prefer the King James, read the King James, but I would encourage you sometime to pick up the New King James to read some in that just to see what you might, you, you get a fresh view of things. Uh, the English Standard Version is a good translation to read in, the New American Standard. Jesus said, Jesus quoted the words of the Lord, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. 
Jesus said, Labor not for the meat which perisheth, but for that which endureth unto everlasting life, which the Son of Man shall give unto you. May the Lord bless your devotions and your Bible reading, that your life can be a testimony. Show us all.